award season upon us in full swing, I guess. Yeah, thing. I mean, Golden Globe nominations today is pretty exciting. I happened to be up at 5 a.m., and so I had to watch as people really sadly and slowly updated because I couldn't be bothered to watch it myself. It was like Tim Allen and stuff, right? That's weird. It was, and why? <laughs> I don't know. It's irrelevant. Star power. Star power? <laughs> yeah, you know. How? Who? Toy Story 4 was a big hit this year. Was that the reason? I guess that's the only thing of note. He's you know done... Disney is going to hit $10 billion in movie revenue before the end of the year? That's wish... obscene. I wish I were going to do that. Yeah. They're not going to give awards to Todd Phillips, are they? I would be really surprised by that if they did. Um, My thought is that best actor and best picture tend to be very closely related and yeah. energy around Joker just bodes well for Joaquin Phoenix. Hmm. I don't think that he necessarily has it ahead of Adam driver. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that Adam driver maybe has more goodwill, even though mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix is also well-respected and loved in the industry. Um, sure. When I look at these two performances though, and I think which one would I like to see have an award? Probably Adam Drivers for me. Kind of weird that he doesn't to, have one yet. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Adam Driver has been an actor for about five minutes. Yeah. In the big scheme of things, he's just had such an extensive Lucas Hedges esque filmography. Sure. That you know he's in nine things a year. That it seems like right. he's been around forever. But really, I've only been aware of him for not very long. Both of those gentlemen on our uh, on the review block tonight. It's hard to have a review block that doesn't include Lucas Hedges. True. I just saw his name on something. Oh, he's in Waves, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, and I saw Waves <laughs> just, this week, too. No matter what your movie is, he'll show up. He'll find a way in. It's kind of like they've just run out of people. And all the people, of all the people who might want to be actors in Hollywood, they're like, oh, we need a white guy who's in his early 20s. I just get Lucas Hedges. Yeah. He's excellent. But in my mind, he's just kind of like a white boy, a very specific white boy type. But Yeah, he's like that he, white boy, sorry. like in from your high school class that you like knew but didn't really know. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. And this is a little meta is I'm looking forward to Noah Jupe playing Shia LaBeouf about his experience in Honey Boy. Yeah. I thought about that, actually. I thought about, you know, they're all here in service of this very specific and troubled story. But what's Noah Jupe's story? He's a child actor. Is it miserable for him? Is his life a living hell? Right. Um, what's What's the kid's name who was in Room? What's that kid's name? Tremblay. Yeah, Jake Tremblay. Tremblay. Yeah, so he was in Doctor Sleep, and since we'll never get to that movie, right? <laughs> you know, he he is killed. I don't think that's a spoiler in Doctor Sleep, yeah. and he's you know killed horrifically. And apparently, he had the whole cast and crew shook as that scene was being filmed, and then yeah. like you know jumped up, covered in blood, and you know gave his dad a high five and went over to right. craft services. Acting, you know the <laughs> these kids are wow. are all about it. 
I guess we're, we're launching into Honey Boy here because that I really loved Honey Boy and I think you did too. I did, but boy, was it upsetting! And it's a very, it's a weird kind of companion piece with Judy this year, of just don't wish show business on your children. Granted, I, I, Shia LaBeouf's story is not really typical, um, but it's geez. not. I and I just liked this one so much better than Judy. Um, better than Marriage Story that also feels like a therapy session. There's yeah. something about this one that made it feel like, yes, this was a good story to tell. Like you've done your work and um, they were able to tell it in kind of a mystical, dreamy way where yeah. you're not quite sure if you're in reality or in fantasy or in flashback. And it just kind of melds together. I loved when like voices from the past are appearing through, you know, the mouths of the present. Yeah. Um, I I can really relate to that. And I found because the whole thing very, beautiful and compelling. It's a very creative kind of swirl. And it is, it just, it feels like it, it literally is a therapy exercise, this movie, but it, um, I don't know, it feels productive. It feels creative. It feels like it gets somewhere. Uh, not that it solves anything, because I don't know that that can be solved, but it, it's, it's, it really, really, um, changes my impression of Shia LaBeouf forever that's for sure yeah I thought he was just great he was the acting was great and just kind of understanding a little bit more of his history and what he brings to his profession I thought that was pretty interesting to see I thought the final moments were they were both tender and almost scary in the return to that motel yeah um that's a little confusing too yeah. I mean, I didn't think that that was taking place in reality. Yeah. Um, Do you but, think, so there's a scene earlier, sorry, I'll let you finish your, your, what you're saying, but no, it's okay. um, while you're, while you're mentioning this last scene, there's a scene about halfway through the movie where Lucas Hedges goes to like a trailer park mm -hmm. and he comes upon his, his aging dad from, from the back, you can see the back of his head. Right. Do you think we're, we're witnessing the rest of that scene, but in like a whimsical translation where oh, I don't know. They're back at the motel. I think that you could take it that way. I, I didn't connect those two scenes um, in my mind. I, I mean, he's following a chicken to right. you know yeah. to get to to get to that hotel. To me, it was along the lines of the stuff that you just carry with you that is sort of a part of your healing, but it also sort of still haunts you, yeah. and that's kind of what that scene played like to me and i can i can relate a lot to feelings like that uh natasha leone is in the credits but i didn't i don't remember seeing her is she on the phone or something she, i think, I think she might have been the mom, mother right? yeah okay. on the phone why that is i'm not sure i mean anybody could have yeah. done that well and she shows up for three seconds in at astra too she's mm -hmm. just kind of that's true she kind of likes those showing parts. up yeah i liked the um young woman across the way in the motel mm -hmm. I thought that there was a great tenderness there and they were able to just stand on the border of propriety without really having to explore that. She played it. She came across as a really real, not necessarily a real person, but a real presence in his right. memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She almost played it like as he remembers his feelings yeah. more than he remembers her. Honey Boy is a movie written by Shia LaBeouf, directed by, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the... Um, Alma Harrell. Yeah, okay. And, you know, most people know that Shia LaBeouf started his career in uh, a lot of Disney Channel shows and movies and 
family entertainment. And then he's become kind of a notoriously uh, adventurous uh, adult actor. And uh, this is kind of uh, his, it's not his biography. It's just kind of a, uh, a, well, it's like a therapy session. It's exploring the bizarre relationship he had with his father, who uh, was a felon and was not allowed near him in a lot of, or not allowed into a lot of situations as far as custody and guardianship, but then through some strange arrangement was actually his guardian while he was filming. And they lived in this little hotel motel. Uh, yeah. And they, it's just about the, the relationship with his dad and the, um, the impact it has on his, his life as an adult. Lucas Hedges plays a version of him named, uh, it's been a couple weeks now. I forgot his name. Otis. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, it just kind of cuts between him and in Otis grown up in rehab uh, and in therapy sessions. And then as a child played by Noah Jupe, with Shia LaBeouf playing a version of his own father. And yeah, it's, um, it's definitely worth checking out. I think it's one of the most affecting moving movies I saw this year. Yeah. I expected to like it and I did. And that's great when that happens. There's something about the scenes. There's uh repeated scenes throughout the movie where he's riding on the back of a little crappy motorcycle, mm-hmm. his dad's motorcycle to or from a shoot. And for some reason, those those were very moving to me. Those scenes, because he's kind of it's just kind of it's a, a an embodiment of the relationship with his dad, where you know it's dangerous uh, and it's crazy, and he shouldn't probably be there, but he's holding on to his dad, and it seems like they were rare moments of of joy or sleep. The first time they show it, he's falling asleep on the back of the bike. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like because of his dad's history, his dad never felt like he could be close or affectionate with him and his dad had a lot of uh, internalized homophobia it seemed like as well as fear of perception and so I think that moments like that were kind of one of the only moments where they could be physically close and it would be acceptable in his dad's sight and even then he kind of pushed him away at one point yeah Um. alright I think that's my thoughts on Honey Boy do you have anything else there uh, I don't think so uh, so I think there's two, at least two other titles that we've both seen, and one of them is a little old. We should probably deal with Dark Waters tonight. Let's do it. Okay. Um, do you want me to describe it? Do you want to go for it? It's a legal thriller film it is. directed by Todd Haynes. And why Todd Haynes did this, Strangely I mean, directed by Todd yeah, yeah, people are going back and forth about that on uh, on Twitter, but it's about this lawyer who is played by Mark Ruffalo who kind of gets a bee in his bonnet about this uh, really terrible case of uh, DuPont poisoning an entire town and being completely irresponsible with their chemical waste. And he does all of the legal stuff to expose some of this and then case by case um, starts to seek justice for its victims. And Hathaway plays his long-suffering wife, who is also a lawyer herself. And uh, Tim Robbins is in the cast um, as lawyer supervisor. And Victor Garber is a lawyer antagonist. We've got uh, Mary Winningham and William Jackson Harper as a farmer and wife who are affected. Um by the pollution 
and Bill Pullman as a trial lawyer. There's my yeah. There's my thing. Victor Garber's the head of Dupont, right? Is is he legal representation? I thought he was actually the. Oh, maybe the I'm wrong about that. Just he he's antagonist on Dupont's side. Yeah, yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. I was excited for this movie, which is a weird thing to say if you've seen the trailer for this movie. Uh, but I th- thought that I'd like this better than the report, and I didn't like it as much as the report. Oh, um, which is not to say that Sorry. I didn't like it, but my expectations were just—I don't know. This it's uh, it's a complicated movie. I do like slow burn legal procedurals. I like um, real life stories um, and heroic people and that kind of stuff. But like the report, it's a profoundly bleak movie. Its messaging, its truth is not easy to face because I don't know, I don't know what the future holds for these kind of movies. It seems like it's harder and harder for the human spirit to triumph because you follow this character, the Mark Ruffalo lawyer character, who's a real person, uh, through all of this this uh, legal action and, and into what looks like real victory, and then it all comes falling apart, uh, and really it just feels as hopeless. Uh, as the report does in terms of, you know, moving forward, is anything really going to change in the way things work in this country? I also have some artistic nitpicks with the movie, but uh, in general, what did you, what did you think of the movie, Dan? Um, For what it was out of context, I would have thought, oh, this was a competent movie. It was enjoyable to watch. It's an interesting story though. You're right. Bleak and depressing. It, the only redemption they can try to offer is that he's just continuing to work at it and in relatively small ways having success case by case but it's just an impossible mountain of a problem and the way that systems of power work it's insurmountable you can't come up against it even when you have a airtight legal case it you know they just laugh at you and I found yeah. that to be pretty depressing. Um, I was not disappointed, but surprised that this is a Todd Haynes movie, that this is a story he wanted to tell, that this is the way that he wanted to tell it. Um, I don't know if he's trying to do something that could be more mainstream. I know he's always really had his gayness on his sleeve and he's paid the price for that professionally. Um, there's none of that going on in this movie. Mm. Um which to me would disappoint his diehard fans um, while not necessarily gaining him any new ones. Yeah. He must really believe in the, in the cause, I guess maybe he considers this an activist film and he and Mark Ruffalo seem to have teamed up to get it done. Um, I think it's an important story, but yeah, it is strange that he would be the storyteller. I got to say something else too about this movie and what, what rubbed me the wrong way. And I haven't seen anybody else talk about this. So maybe this is just me. Um, I felt like this movie had a weird attitude toward rural people in quotes. Hmm. Um, everyone from West Virginia, this movie takes place in West Virginia. Uh, the, and the farmer who approaches him is, is a West Virginian farmer. I don't know, everybody looks and talks like Cletus from the Simpsons. Everything's dirty. Everything's down home. And I know that's uh, maybe trying to keep it real because it shows some of the real people towards the end and they kind of have that look about them. But um, I don't know. I felt like for a movie concerned with the plight of the little guy, 
that it came across as a little bit elitist in the way that it portrayed them. And I don't, I do not think for a moment that was intentional. I think it might just have been a, uh, you know, just a, a lack of awareness. Well, Ruffalo's character sure was self-conscious about being from West Virginia mm. in the first place. I don't know if that was really the case of the real guy. Um, but when the first, um, when the guy who's sick, I forget his character's name, um, the farmer comes to right. him in the office. Camp, uh, yeah, I, the I could, name. I could barely understand him. Yeah, and maybe that's the way people speak, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to understand him. Um, He's a great character actor, Bill Camp, but I, d- I did kind of feel like maybe he wasn't directed enough to to reel it in. There were some scenes that were unintentionally funny. I thought, yeah, him pointing his gun at the sky, and f- like he ran around like a like a like an idiot when anything would happen. And it just seemed like it, it just seemed like it took down home real farm people and then turned it up a couple notches too high. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I would be if I were, you know, in the middle of what that guy was going through the desperation and the frustration and being constantly agitated. Um, plus you're physically ill. Um, and you have cows coming at you in, in distress and madness. (laughs) I can't, yeah. Yeah. Imagine quite True. what that would be it's like. Terrific. Yeah. I did enjoy the legal ins and outs. I did enjoy uh, watching this go from his relationship with Victor Garber starting off as a little bit, you know, uh, very, still amiable. And then how he starts to get under his skin and and how the step by step of the discovery and trying to drown him in in research and all that. I, I, I did enjoy that stuff. I thought it was effective. Mark Ruffalo <laughs> was doing this pout thing through the whole movie and i thought well the, the real guy must look like that and they showed a picture of uh, a scene of him at the end and i didn't think he really had that much of a, a pronounced pout but he was you know it was a ticky performance by ruffalo but uh i i enjoyed it i felt like anne hathaway was either misused or underused or something yeah. um it's like she needed to be there because she's a character in the story they wanted to really punch up that she's a lawyer in her own right but they gave her very little to do. I felt like the um, breakdown scene wasn't really earned because it's not like we've seen Ruffalo descend into what apparent madness by this point or that he's really, that that such a toll has been taken on their family as a result of him looking into this case. We haven't quite seen that. So when she's having her, you know, Jennifer Connelly in a beautiful mind moment of, you know, you have to let me know a miracle is possible. Um, really the whole point of that breakdown is so that he can explain his findings to the audience through sitting across a table with her. Right. I, I, yeah. I was, and I could never really tell how many children they had or where right. we were in time. They just kept mm-hmm. having another one and I kept thinking, Oh, is this a flashback to when the first one was born? Yeah. I feel like she tried, you know, I, I was thinking to myself watching it. This is Oscar winner Anne Hathaway. Right. Um, and she, I feel like she worked hard to bring too much to a character that can't hold it or support it or, or it doesn't fit. Right. Like, and there's a lot there because she, you know, she probably has resentment since she had, she had a legal career and had to give it up and it must be difficult to be married to somebody like him. And yeah, it felt perfunctory though. Yeah. And her wigs. <laughs> oh, so bad. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, there's Dark Waters. Um, I'll tell you one thing I'd I didn't recommend. I, it. I, I want to tell you one thing I didn't like before you recommend. Oh, it. please. Go ahead. That's so it. we've got these cameos from all these people we discover who are actual players in the real life story. But in or in trying to show those people in a prominent way so that we remember them later, it makes it seem like some turn of plot is happening. Like when all those mm-hmm. people turn in church. Right. And I'm thinking right. like, oh, are they mad at them? Do they hate them do they support them and then we yeah. find the only reason they turned is because they're the real life people who we need to reference later i was like yeah. that wasn't a good use of those people right yeah the filmmaking was very weird and from from an acclaimed art house director that's making a kind of a mainstream crossover that's just even more strange yeah i want another far from heaven not this right that's right it's our second haynes dip on this podcast all right well uh do you recommend it dan i mean i don't not recommend it (laughs) okay i give it it a don't not recommend put it on the box Mm uh yeah it's you know stream it if you're interested in the subject matter i mean it's not one of the most important movies of the year from like a cinema standpoint um but it it will the information in it and the 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 unfolding of the story will uh, fascinate and probably enrage you I think that's a fair assessment. Gosh, marriage story. Where do we even begin? I think you need to do this one. Okay. <laughs> marriage story is a uh, United States drama film directed by, written and directed by Noah Baumbach. Uh, Netflix release just up this past weekend. Um, been getting lots of award buzz for a very long time. Not available in theaters around me, so I had to wait till I could stream it. Uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson play a New York City theater couple. He's a director. She's an actress. She came to some acclaim and and success after uh, being in a a teen sex comedy uh, movie. And now she's uh, starring in the plays that he directs. uh, And he's getting all kinds of grants and he's taking a show to Broadway and she is uh, stepping away from the theater to mount a pilot, a science fiction pilot, which he might secretly, not so secretly think is beneath her, but she's looking to break out on her own. And in the middle of all of this stuff, she's, she's heading out to LA to um, film the pilot, taking her, their eight year old son with her. And we learn that they are, um, getting a divorce so the marriage story is really a divorce story um i think the movie starts very effectively by showing them uh with a by them reading through voiceover uh, essays that they were assigned to write about what they love about each other in the first place so we we're introduced to the characters and the marriage from a very uh charitable and positive uh place then we see uh, the machinations of the actual divorce. They both go into it insisting that they're going to be amicable and get very open and, and generous to each other. And then as as lawyers are hired, things get nastier and uh, more contentious and crazy. And then everything just kind of works out. Did you feel things worked out? No, I didn't. <laughs> but I mean, like in the in the emotional tone of the movie they just it just kind of happens and then they're just kind of it is what it is it pulls back from the precipice 
her lawyer who seemed like she uh, Laura Dern as as uh, Nora, the uh, Scarlett Johansson's lawyer. She looks like she's going for the jugular and then she kind of pulls back at the last minute. They kind of settle for for 51 percent of everything. I don't know. I know you have strong feelings on this. I thought it was well acted and I enjoyed the emotional journey It is not one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, it was interesting and I'm glad I saw it. I think there are other Noah Baumbach movies I like better. I very much enjoy the main performances. Adam Driver's great. Scarlett Johansson does a great job. But uh, that, pro- that pretty much wraps up what I have to say about the movie. Yeah, I wanted to like this so much and I liked the opening. I agree with you. I thought that was effective. I felt, especially since, I mean, I'm just going to go into this here, since the final catharsis has to do with the reading of her thoughts that she didn't share right. with him at the beginning. I wondered, like, why did you save that? Why, right. what, what was her motivation for not sharing kind words about him at that therapy session when you were trying to be amicable with one another? And there wasn't really a reason for that. And she's off then going to LA, relocating their child to another state. You just can't do that. That's not a thing that people are able to do. And so we bring in Laura Dern, who I really liked in this role. I don't like what she's up to professionally, but it's a perfect cast and it could have been boring or it could have been overly mean or I don't know. And Dern just found good ground I like um, Driver and Johansson a lot. I love their huge blow-up argument scene. Hmm. I thought that seemed uh, real and uh, kind of a heightened version of the worst day of your relationship and the stuff that should never be said, and yet it came out. I really loved Alan Alda as as the um, lawyer that Driver is able to enlist initially. I felt there was just a humility and a gentleness. He wasn't incompetent, but he was also very wise. He saw what was going on. He saw the situation for what it was. I think he gave sane counsel. He was almost, really both of them, both Dern and Aldo were pastoral to their clients Hmm. because they both are bringing all of these issues into the room and they're helping them not carry stuff they can't carry. I I liked the scenes where they were one-on-one with each of their lawyers. I did not like the scenes where lawyers were fighting with each other and when stakes were raised because ostensibly the couple does not want to involve lawyers and they just want to do things amicably. So why are we here with lawyers? Like that wasn't really explained, but without it, there's no movie. So right. if the couple is just like, oh, well, you know, one of those things just didn't work out. Let's just split up our stuff one day and move on. Seemed to be where they wanted to go at the beginning. Yeah. But then for no real reason given, we entered this other territory that I found hard to watch. And we mentioned earlier that like Honey Boy, this feels like a cinematic therapy session. It feels like Noah Baumbach kind of just venting his his personal experience of a divorce and so, but that, those questions you're asking then, I, I kind of, that's how I contextualize them. Does he, is he saying, well, we wanted it to be amicable. I wanted it to be fair, but then all these lawyers were coming at me and we had no choice and it got, you know, like, is it, 
almost trying to shrug off the responsibility for what happened in his own divorce. Um, because it does feel like these are two characters who truly don't want this, but then suddenly it's the only way. Yeah. And why was it the only way? That's why I didn't think it was clear. It seemed like, um, Charlie is dragging his feet and isn't really taking things seriously. And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we're getting divorced. We understand, but you know, you know, and maybe she has a reason for moving it forward, but I don't feel that reason was really given. If she wanted to jump, you know, jump ship on her life and start anew, she wasn't really doing that either. She kind of went around him to get this lawyer, which she's every right to do, but that doesn't make things any easier emotionally for the two of them. And what a privilege to have all that money to burn on really expensive lawyers and figuring out how you're going to pay different, you know, manners of support and everything. Oh, that's just so ugly. I did not like the use of being alive at the end of this. Mm -hmm. People were going crazy for that. And I was just like, well, first, his delivery isn't that great Mm -hmm. as it is. And second, that song is about the opposite, obviously. It's about Mm -hmm. going from being committed to always being alone to understanding why it is good to not be alone in life. And is that how you is that how he is supposed to have felt about his ex-wife certainly not now and not when they were married because their marriage was garbage it was going to go away one way or another so what insight does he gain from singing being alive and then i'm thinking here we're in this piano bar no one's just playing that it just begins and you walk up and you'd sing it as a solo did you arrange this with the pianist there i can't suspend my disbelief because there are all right. sorts of other ways if you needed to get that song shoehorned that you could have um, set it up in a more realistic way. It's like he didn't even care. He just wanted to get Adam Driver up there to sing Being Alive. And then at yeah. the end, they're supposed to be like happy friends again where they still kind of care for each other. And, oh, even though it's her night, he can go with his dad. And, you know, and oh, it's pretty nice again. Well, why did you do all that terrible stuff? To one another before and now you got exactly what you wanted he moved across the country in order to be with his son who you kind of kidnapped what is this story i didn't yeah. like how laura dern um changed the custody agreement just slightly in favor of her to give her a win was that supposed to be heartwarming that she never stands up for herself for a small kind of symbolic win should lawyers be working against their clients' own wishes? So obviously, I'm just going into rant territory right now uh, of my own issues. This really has very little to do with the quality of this movie. All the parts of this movie are very good. Yeah. Um, I think that I will watch it again in a year and think, what was my problem? You know. <laughs> but I think just my expectations versus what I saw, I, it just get a real low cinema score for me, that, that first <laughs> gut reaction. Um, was a no for me, Simon. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, so I streamed one other thing. Have you seen anything else other than the, the big titles we talked about? Um, I streamed I Lost My Body. Oh, so we both did. Yeah. Great. Well, Dan, what can you tell us about I Lost My Body? That, can was, you? A weird, that was a weird movie. Yeah. I probably can't say too much about it. There's this hand. It <laughs> lost its body. And it goes on adventures and we have flashbacks 
about catching flies and we ultimately yeah. discover how the hand lost its body and um then it was over yeah so everyone's talking about this uh, i mean i follow a lot of i'm a big animation fan and i follow a lot of animation blogs and so this has been getting a lot of buzz even before it was on netflix uh, it's a french production it's very different kind of an animated film people were saying you know forget about uh toy story 4 and lion king here's the best animated movie right. of the year um and it's really creative and really different and really interesting um but i feel like i i was i was drawn in and i was with it and this weird it's just kind of this magical realism this hand severed hand comes to life frees itself from this medical lab and tries to crawl its way like a crab across the perilous city back to its owner and then meanwhile you intercut with this kind of abbreviated story of this life this of the guy whose hand it is and his childhood and then he meets a girl and i was with it and then like you said it ended it didn't it felt like it was building to something and it it's very poetic its final moments are mm -hmm. so poetic that i feel like i need to be smarter and watch it again and feel harder but I don't know what happened and why it, it, why it was done then. Like it just, and you know, it's it's a French arty animation. It doesn't have to conform to my rules of making sense or telling a, a story. Yes, it uh, does. I loved watching it. I don't know what to take away from it, but I do recommend it. It's a breezy eighty minutes or so, um, and it's unlike anything else that I've saw, I've seen this year. Yeah, I don't have much to say about it. I, I just watched it, and that was yeah. it. All right. Um, well, in addition to seeing Knives Out again, I'm going to see Queen and Slim tomorrow night. Okay, I'm going to try to uh, see that one, too. I'm looking forward to that one. Have you been following Critics Awards and stuff? Yeah, well, so long and short of it. Irishman, good. Mm. Upon a Time in Hollywood, good. Parasite, it's getting what it needs. I feel like those are the three mm -hmm. viable best picture contenders right now okay surprising that de niro didn't get in the at the globes when there are 10 spots mm -hmm. um between the two categories for actors um but yeah it, it's i feel like the globes have a lot of influence this year because the guilds are closing up shop before um they're not announcing before the oscar ballots are due so they're not really going to be influenced any anything so kind of the Globes is the, is the one shot. Hmm. And uh, Globe Director is a huge relationship with Best Picture at the Oscars yeah. that uh, only Crash has ever won without it. So the three we've got are the three I mentioned. And JoJo kind right. of stumbled, which was surprising to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that was what I noticed was the lack of JoJo in, in a lot of the announcements today. That's yeah. disappointing. I feel like this is uh, Taika Waititi's shot sad to see him miss it some people will have lots of other shots i don't know right. if he will i mean he might still uh get dga he might still be nominated at the oscars but just as yeah. far as wins go missing at the globes it usually spells death i think that does it for us this has been our podcast thanks for checking in dan as always <laughs> look forward to talking about some more movies next time and uh, mm -hmm. this has been our podcast with dan and josh you can follow us both on twitter and letterboxd Music's by good old Jonah Rapino, our buddy. And um, thanks for listening. Check you later. Bye. I think there's...
child or cat drama happening outside the door here? Ugh, I always have all of that. 